Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast. The water is finally boiling on the pasta that we've been on the stove for six days now, right? You've watched the water start boiling and the NBA Finals have finally started. So Mike and I are here to give you our our straightaway NBA Finals take, and then we'll get roll right into some NCAA basketball. We would be remiss if we did not give you our, our NBA Finals projections, ideas, and just a couple of quick th- thoughts. Mike, <laughs> I know that you have a couple of other things on your mind. So my first question to you is, who do you got? Who's going to win the NBA Finals, and what's your rationale? My friend, finally, I put Cookie Monster out the other day waiting for the NBA Finals to start. It's here. Wait, a- wait. Did, did you do the Cookie Monster where he was like like doing his like yes. big furry fingers? Yes, Gus. I did that on Friday. <laughs> okay, okay, very good. It's, it's very Thursday. nice. Very nice. Okay, it's a little anxious. Uh, what, what, was his other hand like holding his big head with the googly yes, eyes? That's correct. Yes. One okay. of my favorites. <laughs> Excellent visual. One of my favorites. Uh, you know, it used, to, it used to be waiting for Bill Self to win his second title. I mean, you know, you can, that one gets used for multiple things. I'm just excited. As we're podcasting right now, my tweet that I put out is getting favorited. I put one out uh, at FTSY Warrior. Mike, has there ever been an NBA Finals, Gus, featuring two head coaches with less of an impact? And it seems to be going like wildfire right now. We're hoping to be viral by the end. I mean, literally, if you and I were coaching these games, I think it would be a little better. At least our loyal fans, uh, Gonzalo Bedia, Phil Olsen, uh, <laughs> Shrivan, I, I think they would, they would like it. Right. I, th- I think a couple other people would hop in and be more interested. I agree. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'm going to take the Warriors. It's very simple, Gus. They were up 3-1. LeBron was incredible last year. Best block I've ever seen in my life. But they were up 3-1, and they had a Kevin Durant. I mean, I just think it's really that simple sometimes. I, I can't see how if you're out there betting $100, if betting was legal, sports betting, you're betting $100, you're really taking Cleveland? I, I, don't, I, just, I just don't see it. Cleveland you know, had trouble with the Celtics, with Kelly Olenek, who became the second coming Will Chamberlain. Have the Warriors <laughs> lost a game? I mean, I, I, don't, see, I, I don't see it. So I, I'm 100% with you. I don't know how in your right mind if you're a basketball junkie, vagabond, fan, follower, that you would properly put money down on the Cavs in this particular series. I got the Warriors, too. Give me the Warriors in six. I think the Cavs win two at home. I think they show up big. I think they make some easy buckets at home. Uh, Lots of layups from Kyrie and LeBron. But the Warriors just have too many weapons offensively. And I think, let's just call it what it is. They're going to put up too many shots on the offensive end for Cleveland to match. Just the amount and and, and, and just the arsenal of of shots that they're going to put up. It's just going to be too much. In the stat, the first half uh, today, they were talking about how the Warriors actually have more points scored inside than Cleveland. Remember those bad idea gene commercials? for <laughs> Really? That is not the... Yeah, so not only did Cleveland have like 10 turnovers at the half and Golden State had one, but the Warriors right. had like a ridiculous advantage on interior scoring. Now, I know a lot of that is, you know, Curry breaking ankles and getting to the basket and, you know, right. Clay Thompson, oh yeah, I forgot the second team, basically all pro guy or should be all NBA guys wide open, but that's a problem for them. That's a problem. Uh, a second part, uh, this leads us perfectly into like the second part of our like NBA Final six pack. So who do you got? We both have the Warriors. Um, difference maker. Which mismatch are you waiting to see happen? What player is going to make a difference and have an impact that you don't necessarily would talk about first, second, or third? Going to cheat on this one because I wasn't sure how they were going to do it, but LeBron guarding Durant tonight has been a problem. It's been a problem because he's expending a lot of energy 
it's been a problem because Golden State is kind of switching on him a little bit. They have a couple different options. It's He's making him work, and he's not getting much help. And if he can't shut down Durant, I don't know how they can play him straight up. That's the one I'm worried about. Kyrie has also got to attack off the dribble quite often, whether it's Clay or it's Curry, whoever ends up on him at a certain time. He's got to get some points. If Kyrie Irving is not turning in like a 25-point game, they have absolutely zero chance of winning. So LeBron's going to guard Durant. I'll pay to watch that all night long. But the other one is Curry's got to score. I don't care who's guarding him. Uh, I mean, uh, Kyrie. Kyrie's got to score. I'm sorry. Kyrie's got to score. Sure. I I totally agree with you on the Kyrie thing. Here's the issue that Cleveland's going to have, and this is goes back to like like a measurement NBA draft combined thing. Like it's it's a length. Like you figure that Clay is going to be on Kyrie a lot. He's much longer, as quick and thicker than Kyrie, and you figure that Durant is going to be a little bit on LeBron, and he is as gifted as LeBron is. He's longer. He can cover more ground. He can make up for a mistake that he's beat on the fir- uh, on. Uh, you know, an, an initial drive to the basket. So I feel like those two matchups are really bad matchups for the Cavs. And my here, here's my like X factor impact player on both ends. I can't believe I'm saying this, Javale McGee. Oh sure. I, sure. I think McGee is gonna throw back a whole bunch of shots, whether it be from Richard Jefferson or uh, Iman Shumpert or like some of these guys that are going to drive weak to the hole, like Jamal McGee is going to like throw it back into the first row. But then also, if Cleveland can figure out a way to get Jamal McGee into a pick-and-roll situation and expose him on the defensive end out on the perimeter, I think that could be a huge advantage for Cleveland. So I think he's going to play pivotal on both sides of the ball. I think interiorly interior on the defense, I think he's going to have a big impact. But also, if they can get him on the perimeter and get him on a switch— I think they're going to expose him big time and run a whole bunch of pick and rolls. His Excellent way. one. Very good. What element are you looking forward to? Like what drama, what storyline are you looking forward to in this particular finals? Is there one thing that you're going to like follow or pay attention to or thing that you're like looking to develop in this particular uh, NBA finals with the, you know, the, the, the trilogy of the Cavs and the, and, and the Warriors? Two things. I kind of like angry Durant. I like this chip on his shoulder. He definitely has it. He's fired up. He's taking charges on LeBron on the break. I mean, he's clapping. He's slapping the floor. I like to see that. The other one, too, is listen, we got to stop with the Jordan-LeBron comparisons. I don't want to hear this anymore. And I will fight this, and I will become aggressively angry. Yeah, you know what? I was going to go here too, but say your two cents. I love this. I want to see this. The second part of my answer there is I want to see Gus the fourth quarter scoring. All right. What separates Michael Jordan and LeBron James and will continue to do so is the fourth quarter winning time scoring. This is a guy who won a ring in Miami without scoring and really much at all in the last game. He was a Ray Allen step back three from losing to San Antonio. He is a spectacular player. He is a wonderful player. He's on Rushmore. You want to put four guys there? I think he's got to be on. But folks, can we please stop with the comparisons to Michael Jordan? Because you can't tell me pumping in 30 in the first half of an elimination game at Boston Garden, which is incredibly impressive, by the way, is the same as consistently time after time hitting game winning, series winning, championship winning shots. LeBron's a special player. He's an all-world player. He's got a plaque. He's one of the greatest ever. But you can't compare him to Michael because Michael scored in the fourth quarter, and that is the hardest thing to do. LeBron said it, Gus. He was interviewed once. He said it's very simple. It was about uh, when Paul George got mad that the shot wasn't given back to him. 
Correct. It may have been I think, Miles. I think CJ Miles took that shot, right? My, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, he was like, I want that shot. Now, listen, Paul George was right because he was open, Gus. He could have gotten the ball back. LeBron very flippantly said, listen, they're doubling me. Somebody's open. And his attitude is, if the coach puts you on the floor, you should make the shot. If you don't make the shot, the coach will take you off the floor. It's a unique, wonderful perspective, but you got to stop with the Jordan-LeBron comparisons because we'll see it here. LeBron, you want to win this one? Let's see you score in the fourth quarter. And by the way, he wasn't a big fourth quarter scorer last year. He had a great final, but Kyrie hit the game-winning shot. He's a great fourth quarter blocker, okay? But he's not great, at free, th- he's not, he's not great free throw shooter, and he's not a great fourth quarter scorer. It doesn't have to be. I don't know if Magic Johnson was a great fourth quarter scorer either. It's just we can't compare him to Michael. So I'm going the similar route, but just a different argument. I think that this could be the finals where Durant puts himself back in the conversation with LeBron as the best player in the league currently. Could be, yeah. If, if he goes and goes bananas, kind of like he's going off tonight, and goes ahead and has this giant finals and puts up giant numbers, has a do- averages a double-double, shoots great percentages, the Warriors win the title, and sure – is it cherry picking a little bit? Absolutely. But I think this finals is his stage to go ahead and put his name back in the conversation with LeBron as the best player in the league. So I, I yeah. think that's the storyline that um, we're kind of ignoring instead of going back in time. Like, why don't we just pay attention to what's happening in real time and give Durant his props and pay attention to how good he really is right now. 25, 8, and 5 so far, average in the playoffs, not too shabby. The fourth part of our, our NBA, NBA final six-pack, uh, this is more uh, hilarity than anything else. Can you get the return of the Mac Burger King commercial? No, it just stays right it, it stays I mean, I, I, so it has gone so far deep into my my uh, you know hyper being and, and, and uh, silent part of my brain that my wife pulled up the original Mark Morrison song. Wow. Did everybody know that? No, I don't think everybody knew that, right? The original Mark Morris, like, Return of the Mac video and played it on her phone. And then the, my girls now are, like, humming that tune. So now there's no escaping it. Like, my girls are humming it. It's on every single commercial on ESPN. I'm sure it'll show up a little bit again. I, I can't escape it. So I don't think it's ever going to get out of my head. Oh, my goodness. I mean, listen, it's like somebody came by the other day and said to me the name Jim Morrison. And I just keep singing, break on through. I can't get out of my head. I mean, this is going to be just as bad because you're going to hear it over and over again. Oh. And the next the next part is also a little bit hilarity. Break on and- through to the other side. <laughs> Sorry. Nothing wrong with the little doors. Now that TNT has completed their excellent coverage of, of the NBA and the NBA playoffs, and, and we'll miss Charles and EJ and Kenny and, and Shaq, and, and, and those guys did an all unbelievable job in studio, right? Are you going to miss not turning on your TV in the morning at like 6.10 a.m. and not have it fall directly onto Charmed or to Arrow? Of course, Charmed. Because, oh, my goodness. Because you, you left it on TNT, right? Or you so put the true. sleep on oh, your TV yeah. and you just fell asleep to it. And then you turn on the TV and then immediately there's Alyssa Milano and the rest of the witches from Charmed. And you're And yeah, and you're like, stay there for a second. And then you go ahead and put on what you would normally put on in the morning. Um, so I'll Alyssa miss Milano. That. There are some positives to that. Alyssa Milano. We're going back to our childhood. Who's the boss? Tony Danza. A-O-O-A. Here we go. Oh, man. That's a great reminisce right there. So I'll miss not having the TV turn on to have it be Charmed or Arrow, whatever whatever rerun TNT is putting on in the morning at like, you know, again, uh, 5.42 in the morning. And uh, last one. You know what's not getting talked about enough? in our little uh, NBA final six pack is like nobody's talking about that. Steve Kerr is not coaching 
and that they're just paying attention to like the matchups and like LeBron Jordan comparison is Curry going to step up in a finals because he like totally bagged it last year like what's going to happen nobody's talking about that Steve Kerr is on the sidelines and not healthy enough and is that going to have an impact on this particular finals like I, I I don't know why people aren't talking more about that part especially because of the point you brought up before could we have two more nondescript coaches well you hear this noise that's because I got another like on my uh, tweet just now from somebody else about the NBA Finals head coaches. And that's the thing. Like, Mike Brown – listen, Steve Kerr matters. He did a great job. I mean, I know Mark Jackson was there too. But he won the title. He got back a second time. You can't say it doesn't hurt him. But, folks, Ty Lue and Mike Brown, nobody cares. I've never seen a final. People say, th- say things back in the 80s about Casey Jones. When they went against the Lakers, they would say Casey doesn't do anything. Folks. These guys can't shine Casey Jones' sneakers, okay? So please, coaching, not a big deal. I think Kerr does matter, but he's not going to change anything. I mean, somebody tweeted me back. It's kind of funny. He's like, listen, LeBron's doing a great job as the coach. Has done been doing a great job all season. <laughs> very, very, very good, yeah. Uh, I think he's drawn up a whole bunch of the plays. So that's our NBA Finals uh, uh, six-pack uh, of topics. We gave you who you got, who's going to be your difference maker player, what you know, storyline are you paying attention to, Will Return of the Mac ever leave your brain? Will you miss flipping on the TV in the morning and seeing Charmed? And why isn't anybody talking about Steve Kerr? Nice. Now that we chatted, uh, who's uh, now that we chatted about the NBA Finals, and let, let, let's give one more NBA draft. Who's back? Who's not? Six pack because we had a whole bunch of guys to talk about, and we didn't quite to get to everybody we wanted to. So, Mike, there was a couple of guys that came back that were kind of important that that we didn't give any love to. So why don't we give a little love to those guys now? And I think the first guy is a local guy for us from Seton Hall. Angel Delgado pulled his name out of the draft and elected to return to Seton Hall. This is a coup for Kevin Willard and the Seton Hall Pirates. If you don't, if you weren't paying attention, Angel Delgado led the nation in rebounding this year. Caleb Swanigan was second. Angel Delgado was first in the nation in rebounding in the NCAA. And he comes back to a pretty loaded perimeter Seton Hall Pirates team in a little bit lesser Big East with Villanova losing Josh Hart, Xavier losing Edmund Sumner, and a little bit uncertainty around the rest of the uh, rest of the conference. So does Angel Delgado coming back help Seton Hall? How much does it help? Does it make them a conference favorite? Does it put them back in the tournament? Mike, how do you feel like Angel Delgado helps, hurts, or inhibits Seton Hall moving forward? If I'm sending a Valentine to Mick Cronin, then Kevin Willard better be sending a box of chocolates to Angel Delgado. Delgado, like you said, led the nation in rebounding 13.1, second in the, in the entire country in double-doubles with 27, averaged 15.2 points. Seton Hall made the tournament gust second straight year, but we know they lost to Arkansas. Seton Hall ended up 10-8, and 21-12 overall, Tied for third place in a logjam in the Big East, Creighton, Providence, Marquette, all 10 and 8, Xavier 9 and 9. He is coming back, and Seton Hall is low dead. They got seniors Desi Rodriguez. Love Ka- Desi. Kadeen ha- Carrington is back as a senior. Miles Powell, who we loved all year as a sophomore. Willard had a good recruiting class. He's got Miles Cali. He's got Jordan Walker. He's got Sandro. I'm sorry about the name. Mamu Kayla Chevelli, okay? He's he's got great recruits. He's he's got like you said the Big East is down a little bit. Some of those top teams lost players. 
He's got Delgado back. This is the year for Seton Hall. So he's back. He's going to make a huge impact. They are loaded. They could be preseason favorites to come in first or second in the conference. At worst, third. But honestly, I'd probably put him higher. This is the year, Willard. It's put up or shut up time, my friend. And make sure you get Delgado Christmas card. Listen, this is the the diagram that you look for as like what college team is going to make an impact in the upcoming season. You look for, do they have an impactful big man? Check. Delgado coming back gives Seton Hall that. Do they have great senior guard leadership? You heard Mike list off Desi and Carrington, two senior guards that are crafty, that are athletic, that get to the hole, they don't mind contact, and they shoot the three. And you also heard Mike talk about Powell, who we loved all year, who's going to get a ton of playing time on the wing this year as a sophomore. So they have three unbelievable, impactful guards on the perimeter surrounding Delgado. Anything that they miss, Delgado is going to eat up on the offensive glass and go ahead and put back. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes ahead and averages about, I don't know, how about how about 16 points and 13 rebounds with a couple of blocks? How's that sound? It sounds perfect. Does that sound like first team all Big East to you? Darn right it does. And Willard, put up or shut up. You know what? With that roster and that lineup, if everybody stays healthy, Seton Hall Pirates could be looking at like the breakthrough to the second weekend and looking at a Sweet 16 uh, invitation. If it's going to happen anytime, it's going to happen with this crew. Another guy that decided to come back that was a little bit on the fence that's going to have a – like much like Delgado – a very impactful uh, return is Andrew Jones from Texas. Now, Andrew Jones from Texas, we talked a little bit about on one of our initial podcasts all the way back in October in Gus's Corner, and we talked about how Shaka got this cool combo guard. He's He, he was a little bit like Frank Jackson. Yeah. He's a point guard that could score. Didn't really have all the point guard minutia down quite yet, and he had an okay freshman year, but obviously very skilled Obviously highly recruited, obviously highly sought after by NBA teams. So he comes back, and along with his return, if you remember way back in one of the initial interviews that Mike did with Paul Bian- Coach Biancardi, Coach Biancardi came on this particular podcast and told us about Mo Bamba. He said that Mo Bamba was one of the, one of the few unsigned recruits left over that hadn't decided on where he's going to go, and guess where he decided to go? He decided to go back to Texas. He decided to go to Texas, join Shaka Smart. So now Shaka not only has a top-level guard in Andrew Jones coming back, he also has Mo Bamba. And listen to this stat. I think Mike might have mentioned this before. I think Paul Biancardi, uh, Coach Biancardi, mentioned this before when he's on the podcast. He has the longest wingspan of not only anybody in college basketball, but he has as long a wingspan of anybody in the NBA currently. It's incredible. So you have an impactful, like, uh, break an ankle guard in Andrew Jones, and then you have an absolute defensive stalwart who's going to live on the offensive boards and maybe even can make a a 15-foot jumper if left wide open. 
in Mo Bamba. It sounds like Shaka might have something going here, even though he loses Jared Allen to the draft. Yeah, Shaka got a contract extension at the end of 2016, so he's he's secure. He's there through 2022, 2023. He's getting three mil a year. Hello. So he's got security, but he needed something because you can't tell me that a guy who comes there for that sort of money, Gus, is finishing four and fourteen in the last place spot in the Big Twelve, eleven and twenty-two. He needed to make a splash, and Bamba is that. Jones is coming back. Thank goodness he's coming back. Us eleven point four points, three point nine rebounds, three point five assists on Texas. Right. Just not that exciting. All right, so he needs to come back and make a huge impact. Bamba's going to help. He's got to make a splash. You know, Shaka, you got to make some moves. He can't be in last place again next year. Not with Mo Bamba. So you know, tournament would be great at least on the verge or hanging around, I think would be positive progress for them. But it's a good job to have Jones back, and it's a huge signing for him from Obama because, you know, one more bad season of 4-14, and 14, people are going to start squawking a little bit down in Texas. I mean, he didn't go there to finish 4-14. and 14, So, you know, I think it was a great signing. It keeps everybody quiet. He's got to develop it. He's got to turn into some wins this year. Like you mentioned, if you play fortune teller, like you said, and he goes 4-14, and 14, and I think Charlie Strong happens all over again, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so I, I I I think he has the pieces in place to prevent that from happening. But if you know the record is what it is, then I think Texas somehow kind of made two bad hires in a row on their two biggest sports platforms, which is interesting. And you didn't think that would happen, especially with like the the character that Charlie Strong and Shaka Smart both bring to their programs. Not not, uh, not with those resources, no way. Uh, uh, correct. Yeah, with with those resources, I, I totally agree. Next guy, all you. Because you nailed this, you talked about him a tiny bit, and we can just talk about Arizona in general, is uh, Raleigh Hawkins coming back. You mentioned that he had some injury problems at the Combine, and that, you know, why wouldn't he come back? You, you nailed this big time. So you just want to talk about his decision to come back and, and what the impact is on Arizona just super quickly, and then we'll move to our next guy. 10.9 points per game for Raleigh Hawkins, walking around with a bandage on his hand in Chicago. Uh, he's still staying in the draft. I mean, I thought that was the easiest call. This is you're dealing with a team here, Gus. That's going to be one of the top five teams in the country in the preseason next year. They lose Comanche, they lose Kobe Simmons, they lose Market, and they lose Allen. Fine. They got DeAndre Ayton coming in as a recruit. They got Brandon Randolph and Emmanuel Ayton. Ayton is supposed to be incredible. Ayton, Brandon Randolph, Emmanuel Acott, all three are highly recruited. He's got a great recruiting class. Sean Miller does a fantastic job, but he's got Hawkins back. Aiken is number 21 in the ESPN 60 for the for the graduating class, but he's reclassified. 2008 graduating class, he's reclassified yep. 2017. They were ranked fourth overall before they got him, and now Aiton is the number two incoming prospect in the top 100. You got Trier coming back, who's going to have a chip on his shoulder because of the whole stuff that went down last year. He could be, he's probably going to be preseason All-American on a lot of teams. Ristic is back. Parker Jackson Cartwright gives talented, talented guards, a talented big man and a talented guard who can help the kids. They like Randolph's potential. Miller's got to make a Final Four. It's in San Antonio next year. I'm all about Arizona. Rolly Alkins does everything for this team. He can score. He can shoot it. He's aggressive. He can fill on the wing. I love him as a player. I like the short, stocky, bowling ball, strong players. He had to come back. He's going to be first team all Pac-10, and this team has a very good shot at the Final Four. Look, Sean Miller has all the makings of a team that's going to make the Final Four. Much like we were rooting for Mark Few to make that Final Four this particular season, I think everybody's going to be on the Sean Miller bandwagon next season with the team that he has in place for him to make his first Final Four. And maybe he'll just break down the door and make the final game and win the whole thing next year too. So I'm kind of rooting for that as well. So he has that monkey off of his bat. So the the two best coaches 
that didn't make a final, have never made a final four, well, that conversation will be over and they will just be looked at great Hall of Fame level caliber coaches, Sean Miller and Mark Few. Gus Rowley Alkin, 6'5, 220 pounds, shot 37%, 37, 37%, 44 of 119 from three point range. How many guys weigh 220 pounds at 6'5 can shoot 37% from three point range? He's a very unique player. He, he's put together in a, yeah, in a really unique way. You know, you know who he is? He's like a little bit more athletic Deontay Burton, right? Ah, good one. Yeah, a little shorter than that. I was thinking uh, Vinny Johnson, by the way, but that may be a little presumptuous. A little taller Vinny Johnson. A little taller yeah. Vinny Johnson. Yeah, not as yeah. good as dribbler, but yeah. Way more athletic than Vinny Johnson, I would say, for Rory Hawkins. Next guy that's going to come back is one of the most unique players that we had in college basketball last year. And thankfully, he'll come back and provide this particular season with the exact same uniqueness perhaps with a little finer-tuned athletic and offensive ability, and that's Taco Fall from University of Central Florida. The big man is unique. He is a monster on the defensive end. So Taco is seven, excuse me, seven six, and he's a monster on the defensive end. The, the way that they play defense is they anchor him down low and just let him deflect aggravate, agitate every drive to the basket. Now, obviously, if you're on the you know other sidelines, you are trying to scheme a way to put him into a screen and roll at the top of the key and put him in you know a, a non-advantageous situation for him on the defensive end. But he's so unique that I think that he's going to come back, put up big numbers, put up giant... I, you know, we called for Caleb Swanigan to lead the nation in rebounding. I'm going to call for Taco Fall just to lead the the nation in, in block shots next year. I think he's going to be that aggressive on the defensive end. I wouldn't be surprised if he averages near 10 rebounds. And let's go ahead and give him like 12, 13, 14 points per game because he does have decent touch. If he can somehow refine that foul shot, so even on putbacks, if he gets fouled, he's not just a liability at the foul line. He's an, you know a 70-ish percent shooter. That's going to put his stock up so much bigger. And, and you know what? You... CF is going to be a force because they're going to have him on the defensive end and they can just anchor everything else around him. I'm so glad he's going to come back because it's a, it's fun, it's unique, it's cool to watch him play uh, when you, you know, you're flipping around the station. He's like, oh, okay, uh, South Florida's playing? Uh, a Southern, uh, Central Florida's playing? Okay, yeah, I'll watch this because Taco's in the game. Like That's the type of appeal that he has as a, as a student athlete. Yeah, and Dawkins doing a good job. He's aggressively scheduling. Got Mizzou coming to Central Florida next year, so that'll be a home and home. I'm sure the following year they'll have to go there. Uh, American, they finished fourth. Gus, they were 11 and seven behind SMU, Cincinnati, and Houston, 24 and 12 overall. Did a nice job. Taco should come back. Uh, seven six, ten point ten point nine points per game, nine point five rebounds, two point six blocks. But I'm with you. I see that going a little bit higher. Glad he came back. Like to see him make a three. He's only over one from three point range last year. <laughs> that would be awesome if you saw him take a three in like an, a, a real offensive set. Uh, all right, you got the next guy. You ready? Svi Mihailuk decides to come back for Kansas. He's walking on back as a Jayhawk. Are you happy? Are you sad? What do you have to think about Svi? Yeah, Svi's got to come back, and he can be a leader on that team. He's somebody that they can look to with the young play- kids and all the JUCOs they got coming in now. He's got all the transfers, right? Mihailik yeah, yeah. last year stepped up. They need a little bit more size inside. You know, He was asked at times with all the injuries and everything that was going on off the court to probably play a little bit bigger players than, than he, he needed to. 9.8 points per game, 3 rebounds, 1.3 assists. 
great from three-point range. He was 40%. Mihailik was uh, 70 of 176. So he's a good, solid player. He's the shooter. You need him to have him on the team. He's not going to be the leading scorer, but he can get the double digits next year. And I think it's a good move to come back because who's drafting Svi Mihailik? I mean, come on. I mean, listen, the travel won't get called in the NBA. Don't worry about it. He can do the same thing against, against Kansas State. They don't call any travels. But outside of that, he's got to come back. Good decision. Solid player. Can be a nice score for him, definitely. Can be very Connor Frank campish, can he, guess? I think he'd be very Connor Frank campish, uh, just like Connor Frank Camp is going to be for Wichita State this year. I can't believe he's coming back again. And yeah, I agree. I think uh, Svi is going to totally help any of the incoming freshmen and any of the transfers that Bill Self has coming in, if for no other reason, just to help teach them the Jayhawk way and say like, hey, every game here is a big game. Like, I don't know if you're, you haven't played a game in the, in the fog that you know that every game at the fog is a big deal because everybody's looking to come in and knock you off. And the final player in our, our returning six pack is uh, one of the most important players coming back. Because Good move. I, Good move. You listen to Gus. Good move. Thank you. I, I'm glad that somebody's listening to us somewhere. Congratulations, Dang Adele, for coming back to Louisville. Dang Adele was one of those like generic 6'7", 6'8", a little bit of do-everything guys that was just going to get lost in the shuffle with all of the Jason Tatums and the Josh Jacksons and the Justin Jacksons that were going to get drafted. And he was just going to get keep up. He was going to get bumped down further and further and further and further. And his skills just were very similar to those guys that we just mentioned, but just not as good, just not as polished, just not as efficient. Now, the, we we always like talking like the the what was the benefit of the player and then also what was the benefit of the team. This benefits both of these guys. It totally benefits Dang Adele to come back to go ahead and polish up his skills and be like the the headliner for a Louisville team that's going to be in everybody's top ten preseason rankings. And and if we go ahead and play it back to Louisville, like of course this is going to help if he leaves then Louisville is kind of left holding the bag, and it's Quinn Snyder, a couple of freshmen, maybe you know VJ King and a couple of other guys that didn't get a couple I, bunch I of minutes last VJ. year. I love VJ. I was waiting for VJ King to explode. He never did. I love VJ King. Me too. I, yeah, I kind of kept waiting for him because he was super talented. You kind of saw when you watched any Louisville game that he had this explosive ability to go to the basket. He did have a little bit of a jump shot, but he just never – it never like materialized. There was never any consistency for him. And it's amazing. So, it's amazing. No one in the country ever caught on that VJ King and King McClure were the same person. I'm just amazed that he got to both Baylor and Louisville games constantly, right? <laughs> That's a tremendous – that's a tremendous reference. That's hilarious. Thank you. So, Tip your waiter. All right. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Thank you so much. So uh, the fact that Dang Adele comes back, we'll just tie a knot, uh, tie a little bow on this. You go it definitely gives Louisville the opportunity to be a, a Sweet Sixteen team, maybe a Dark Horse Final Four team, and then also gives Dang Adele an opportunity to hone up on some of those skills that we said were just kind of like a step below all of the guys that we just mentioned, like Jackson and Tatum, Jackson, and we can, we, you know, we can throw a couple other guys in there as well. Very, uh, Gus, it's very hard for you to name me a better starting five than Dang Adele, Quentin Snyder, VJ King, Anas Mahmood, and Ray Spalding. It is very tough for you to good. find me a better five. That's pretty good. That's, that's not bad. And you know what? We saw that Brian Bowen also signed with Louisville. So you, you throw him into the rotation. I think – I think they're a lock, stock, and barrel top 10 team, and you can put them as a dark horse for the Final Four. Dang Adele coming back gives them like an illegitimate score. It gives them somebody they can get a basket and a big shot uh, and a big moment. 
And him coming back puts him in a weaker draft next year. So I think that just ups his draft status. So Dang Adele coming back big time on both sides for himself and his draft status, but also big time for the Louisville Cardinals. Final guy that came back, and he left this down to the wire, right, Mike? He, he I think, he, I, I don't know if the, the deadline was really that rock solid. Like some people said it was at five o'clock. Some people said it was at midnight. But Hamadou Diallo took every single minute to go ahead and announce that he's actually coming back to Kentucky instead of leaving his name in the NBA draft. Now, Hamadou Diallo was the most interesting case that we had this year coming into the NBA draft because he did not play a single game at Kentucky. He enrolled for the spring semester and took classes during the spring semester, but thus was not eligible to play basketball, got to practice with the team, got to run drills, got to you know live on campus and, and, and run back and forth with the guys and build bonds with his teammates. And then he reached the age of 19. And this brings us to another topic that we can get into a little bit later, where recently Adam Silver said he was in favor or was thinking about or was willing to have talks about raising the age for incoming NBA players from 19 to 20. So this would have like totally squashed Hamo Diallo's dream of not even playing a college game and then putting his name in the NBA draft and then trying to figure out if he was going to get drafted or not. So he decides to come back to Kentucky. Mike, why wouldn't everybody do exactly what Hamo Diallo did and Caleb Swanigan did and a couple of other players did and go through the process minus the agent to get the information you need, take those 10 days and then make a more informed decision on where you stand in this particular draft, and then either keep your name in or keep your name out, but at least use that opportunity to obtain more information to get a more educated uh, viewpoint on what you want to do as a potential student athlete or a potential NBA player. Like, Why wouldn't more people do this exact thing? A lot of these kids are doing the old, you go down to school in January. Uh, we know some in our area as well for different sports, soccer and the like. So right, it's smart, right. it, it was smart by Diallo. He got to play against De'Aaron Fox. That in and of itself is incredible. I just think, I, listen, I would love if Silver moved forward with this rule and made him stay for two years. I think it would be great because I think this is ridiculous. I mean, these kids are making a sham of high school and they're making a sham of college now. I, I, I like that he got information. I like that he went and got information and decided to come back. We heard he worked out for the Bucks. the whole thing. I just, it's, you got to remember that they're young. You got to remember that I know he's a 6'5", 195 pound guard, but he still is a kid and everyone's going to fill his head with dreams and he thinks he's going to be the next MJ. I get it. So I like that he got more information. More information is good. But for my own personal liking, I think they should stay two years. But that's just me. I know I'm in the minority. I, I don't know where I stand on this yet. Just because I, you know, read what I read today and yesterday about what Silver said. And then started trying to put my opinion together so we could put it out there for to, for this particular podcast. I just reflected. I, I did more re- reflecting than like uh, formulating an opinion. And the one and done thing is okay. It's cool. It, it gives us players like Josh Jackson and Okafor and Justice Winslow and I'm trying uh, and Jason Tatum, uh, Markel Fultz, and and it gives us exciting players for that one season. And we pay attention to them. And it creates this buzz. And, and you know you're only going to get them for that 
limited window. So you want to spend as much time as you can consuming them in that limited window that you have. And these kids do get the opportunity to learn from their coaches, learn from their professors, grow to be good teammates with you know teammates that are going to be there for four years that aren't one and done guys that aren't going to go play in the NBA that are, are, are you know, four year for lack of a better term, college basketball lifers that would give a give a fifth year if they could. So there are there are interesting things that these guys can have the opportunity to learn on campus for that one year, but they got to treat it seriously. Like uh, enough of the like I'm gonna enroll in my classes in the fall semester and then I'm gonna declare for the draft and once my season is over, whether I lose in the NCAA tournament or uh, my team doesn't make the NCAA tournament and I'm eliminated from postseason play, I'm just going to stop going to class in the spring. It has to be a full commitment for that one year. I don't want to hear about, like, the like, I went to class, I took 12 credits in the fall, and then I signed up for 12 more credits in the spring, and then I stopped going to classes in the spring. I, I, I want a full year commitment. Okay with, I'm okay with the one and done as long as these guys are committed. Now, the rule that has, the, like the APR rule, where, where, where it holds uh, universities accountable for their grade point averages of their student athletes, and they have to go to these classes. And if they don't follow that, then they are, they are on for they're they're on the hook for um, postseason probations if they don't have the proper APR that they need, like the proper grade point average for their student athletes. I love that part, but at the same point, like that's a good like the the, the university and the coaching staff has to do a good job selling that to the student athlete, saying like, look, if you're going to come here and be a one and done guy, you can't drop out in the spring you just can't do it otherwise nobody else is going to come here and i feel like places like lsu and maybe washington now that romar is gone are going to fall prey to that and like no more like not only are they not going to get one and done guys but they're not going to get like four-year commitment guys either so as i was trying to like formulate an opinion on this i'm not exactly sure where i stand i don't know if i like the raising of the of the age or if i like the one and done but i do think that the one and done does have positive aspects to both parts, the NBA and the NCA. Positive part for the NBA, you do get a more mature athlete that got solid coaching from a great college coach. And we, as college basketball hoop junkie vagabonds, we do get to view these players and enjoy them and consume them for that one year window. And it's really cool because it creates this awesome buzz that may not happen at that particular university or in that particular conference for that particular year that they're attending school. Yeah, if they go two years and they get just – it solves the whole problem because I think it's tough to enforce them to stay the second yeah. half. Right. And the underlying thing here to flip the page a little bit, how great is Calipari as a recruiter? For the seventh time in nine recruiting cycles under Calipari, Kentucky has the number one incoming class in the country. Now that Diallo is staying – they are actually, Gus, having five five-star recruits, I think it is. I mean, just incredible stuff for Calipari. So he's loaded yet again. Diallo's going to be a star along the lines of all the great players, whether it was the John Walls and the Brandon Knights and the, all those Tyreek Evans, all those guys, Derek Rose that came through. He's going to be the next one. But, I mean, loaded again with a great recruiting class by Cal. And you know what the other underrated thing about Cal is? All of these guys that come in are one and done or in the Harrison uh, Harrison twin situation, two and done. Somehow he and the coaching staff and the administration at Kentucky convince these guys that going to class is important. And their APR, like that score 
that could eliminate them from any postseason um, if it, if their grade point averages for, fall below a, a certain standard. Like that's never happened to Kentucky as long as Cal is there. So that is the underrated part about Cal that not only does he have these guys to go to this university, compete at a high level, com- you know, be in the conversation for a national championship every single year. For however long they're at Kentucky, they're going to classes. They're getting, you know, how about this? Like average grades in their classes, if not above average. And he's holding them accountable for being real, true student athletes. That's the underrated part about Cal. We can talk about his recruiting classes and how many like NBA pros that he brings in. Well, we hope he is, Gus. We hope he is. I mean, yeah. I, we, we don't know for sure because, I mean, they're going for the first semester. The second semester, God knows what they're doing. I mean, we hope he, he's doing that. We know right, a guy like right. Dean Smith but, did. We look, know Bobby Knight did. We know Bo Ryan did. I don't know, but I, I hope Cal's doing it. So how about this? So far, so good. Like there's no smoke, so I'm not going to smell any fire on it. Well, no, like, sm- well, no smoke because they're only there for half a year. Right. I mean, like, so basically all they got to do is find a way to go to class in order to not fail by the time we hit January. And after that, they don't have to attend class ever again because by the time those grades will kick in, it'll be May. What I'm saying is I don't think those Kentucky players are going to class in January. That's for sure. And because they don't have to. Right. I mean, if they're all declaring, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm saying that, like, I think he's holding he's doing a good enough job holding them accountable for the time that they are there. I understand it becomes like instead of a one and done, like whatever, like a. Uh, half like whatever one semester one year but if it was a problem i think that like the ncaa would come down on them hard just like they'd be coming down hard on uh unc right now uh all right so let's talk next season have you seen the brackets for this p so so awesome oh my god this is insane okay Incredible job by the West Coast and Nike putting this together. Uh, I love that they're, you know, I, I love that they're including like all things that are original Nike, like Phil, uh, Phil Knight and, 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 and local schools. And so this has everything you want, right? It, it is like everything that we could want in November for college hoop fans. It has local flavor, right? They got Portland in there. They got Portland State. We got Gonzaga. So we got some small school love. It's not just all these big brand names, right? Uh, we have like sweet 16-ish type schools uh, that have national championship aspirations. Like we have Oklahoma. We have Michigan State. We have UConn. We have all of these schools that are constantly in the lexicon of college basketball hoops talk. Um, and Nike. Are you joking me? What a great job out of them. They could not push their product any further. This is an unbelievable play by them because all of these schools in this tournament are Nike schools. Like there's no Under Armour schools or Adidas schools or anything else like that. And don't worry. Our darlings, Gonzaga, are right in the middle of the whole thing. The whole thing's just perfect. Like Mike and I aren't going to break down the brackets on this or make any predictions right now. We just want to profess our love and how much we're looking forward to this particular tournament. And I hope that they can manufacture and fabricate something like this like every other year in November. It would be just absolutely outstanding. I'm already looking forward to it. And like it's not even on like my family calendar because my family calendar hasn't even like you know reached summer yet. So, but I'm going to go ahead and, and put in with Sharpie, um, you know, PK80. Uh, weekend and, and, and make sure that I put aside some time to watch some games.
you know, college basketball does a great job of kicking off the beginning and getting us really involved. They did a fantastic job this year. There's no exception. You got victory bracket, you got motion bracket, victory bracket, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Georgetown, Michigan State, Yukon, Oregon, North Carolina, Portland, tremendous. Motion bracket, Duke, Portland State, Butler, Texas, Florida, Stanford, Gonzaga, Ohio State. You got top teams out the yin yang, got multiple conferences, big schools, small schools, big time players. You got Mo Bamba in there for Texas, even. It's going to be awesome. November 23rd, get your popcorn ready. What a kickoff. Oh, it's going to be so great. And and like, like those are going to be like an appointment game, like appointment watching games. Like you're going to want to watch those games. I, I, I kind of can't I kind of can't wait for right now. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> I hope that some of our loyal listeners are looking forward to those games as well. And it's time for us to go ahead and say an ahoy and a thank you out there to our listeners and our reviewers. Like we said, Mike and I have a goal of uh, trying to get to 100 reviews on iTunes. We, we need you. a 50th. We need a 50th review. We're yeah. stuck at 49. Someone go on your computer, show, shoot us a review. Let us know that you did at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. We need that 50th one on iTunes. So go there, do it for us, send us an email. We'll take care of you as well. Thank you so much, guys. We need it. We need these ratings. They help us, and we're really making a push because, you know, 2017, 2018, a big year for Screen the Screener Podcast. So we just want to say thank you to Magib uh, Hasim. I think we got that right. I'm not entirely sure. He was our last reviewer. Good Zenheis. I tried really hard with that one. Uh, he, his quote was spot on. We are on our way to 100 reviews for the start of the season. And we just want to say ahoy out there to some of our Twitter guys. Ahoy out there, uh, Coach uh, Hayford. Thank you so much for supporting and being the voice of our guy, Jake Wiley. Uh, coach Hayford was uh, is now the head coach of Seattle University. Congrats on the new gig. Uh, and he was Jake's coach at uh, Eastern Washington. And we want to say ahoy out there. D F H A R U G. So I guess at Defora. I'm not exactly sure on that. We're going to say go Zags because he's a West Coast guy. And uh, we'll be under the radar next year as Zags, which is perfect. And he is another movement of the hashtag draft Jake Wiley movement that Screen the Screener is on. And speaking of Jake, Mike, did you know that in the 2012-2013 season when Jake Wiley was enrolled in Montana and was a student athlete and competed in uh, both basketball and track and field that he was an academic all-Big Sky Conference performer? All the more reason why he should be drafted. Yet another reason. Another little tidbit we didn't know about Jake Wiley just makes him better and better and more impressive every time. So he, while he was competing hoops in track and field, he's a super sharp, sharp kid, smart kid, hardworking kid. Um, Mike, I think more than anything, like you and I both know how hard it is to compete at the D1 level for multiple seasons and stay on top of your classes. So the fact not only was he on top of his classes, but he was an academic all-conference guy. Really, really impressive. He also was taking master's classes while he was at Eastern Washington because he got to Eastern Eastern Washington as a graduate transfer. Another reason that he's a super smart kid, uh, super sharp, really on top of uh, really on top of his studies. So if you watched any of the interviews or caught any of the feedback from the Portsmouth invite out west, Jake put up 29 points in the final game and made the all-tourney team. And it sounded like he might have been running the interview 
that was posted on the Portsmouth site. We'll make sure that we put this out on Twitter. It's well worth your five minutes of watching because it gives you an insight on like what he is as a kid and like how he interacts with other people and his kindness, his authentic authenticity and his work ethic really came through in this interview. So we'll make sure to put that out for everybody to view. Um, again, the guy's a kid's a great kid. Some lucky NBA team is going to draft him. And Mike, you wrote a great article on OG and Nobi uh, and how he could be like the next Kawhi Leonard. It's not that far off that Jake Wiley could have that type of impact just at a lower level for some team when he gets drafted in the second round. So uh, again, we're going to keep pushing for him to get drafted, and maybe we'll, um, you know, maybe that'll happen, and his name will be called in the second round uh, come June in the NBA draft. I just don't know why you're not taking Jake Wiley. I, I don't want to. I mean, who comes forward, and who's who is a big time player from the end of round two? They exist. They do occur. But what you're looking for there is a guy who's going to work his tail off who's mature enough to handle the freedom and the money that's going to be presented in the NBA, this is the type of guy you want. He's an uber athlete. He's been under the radar. He's overcome adversity. You know he has a work ethic. You know he's resilient. Portsmouth, he lit it up. This is the exact type of guy that I would be targeting if I was an NBA team at the end of round two. I don't know why more people aren't. I'm sure the buzz is getting out there, and we're going to try to continue that buzz and just try to continue that good vibe for this kid because we really love this kid and think he's something special. So uh, we're hoping that the NBA team thinks the same thing. Mike, uh, we're going to go a little off script here. Are you okay with this? Let's do it, man. Mike, do you have – I think this is where we'll end up the podcast as well. We lost one of the you know finest sports writers in, in sports history in Frank DeFord this past week. I – Felt like I had my Frank DeFord connection every Wednesday, listening to NPR at the end part of my commute. Um, I made sure that every Wednesday, right around 8 o'clock, I tuned into NPR so I could hear his little diatribe on whatever was on his mind for that particular week. And it enlightened me on a number of things. And his final piece, which was really touching, is he talked about how Ringling Brothers and Barn and Bailey Circus is closing down this particular year and that he was going to close his tents as well as a sports writer. And that was going to be his final broadcast on NPR. And just that month, my daughters may, uh, my grand, their grandmother brought my daughters to the ring and brothers and barley bailing circus to make sure that they got to see, you know, the big top one more time. So it's kind of like everything that was in my life was happening, like, like just all converted. Um, and came together and Frank DeFord had a special way of telling a story through sports that was just about like everyday things and made you think about how you were as a person but used the jumping off point as sports. And it was really cool that in one of his final like public broadcast moments, like he made that connection with me personally, like right there in that moment. And that just kind of it, it, it perfectly encapsulated like what he did as a writer during his whole entire career. Mike, did you have like a, a Frank DeFord moment or something that like really stood out to you or something that was really cool that he was able to like key in with you that you took and like made it your own or like, oh, yeah, like Frank DeFord taught me that. He was just always a guy who was very passionate about sports, which I related to. He was a fantastic writer. He wrote about the things that he loved. 
around the time when we were hitting high school, he left Sports Illustrated to launch the National. We were all into the National. It was mm-hmm. a daily sports newspaper that yep. ended up folding. They tried to put sports out every single day on just a sports yeah. alone. And listen, it was one of the coolest things. I thought it was so cool. We used to go over to our buddy's house, and he would have it there. So he was a passionate guy. He was on NPR. He covered sports. He was just a great, great writer. Had a wife 51 years surviving. Um, his wife 51 years survives him, which is a wonderful thing. He's got two children two brothers, two grandkids, just a great writer, a passionate guy about sports. Rest in peace, Frank. And, and we, we loved hearing you tell a story. That's what the great writers can do, right? They tell stories. Yeah. And the other part that just kind of sums up uh, and comes full circle, uh, Mike and I, I were in Key West when I got married. Mike was, was generous enough to be our best man. And, uh, honored, yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's where uh, Frank passed away. Yes, he passed away in the U.S. So it came like full circle for me in a big way. Um, So thank you, Frank DeFord, for everything that you've given us sports junkies. And thank you for educating us along the way. Yeah. Great uh, great time, by the way, at that wedding also. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we we tried, right? Uh, Hey, Screen the Screener podcast listeners, thank you so much for tuning us in. Thanks for carving out some time in your weekend for us. We hope you enjoy the NBA Finals. If you have any thoughts on the NBA Finals or anything that you agree or disagree with, please hit us up on Twitter at at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Again, efficiency of keystrokes. And uh, we'd love to hear from you at – if you want to email the show, please do SDSPodcast. Uh, podcast at gmail.com we'd love to interact with you that way and uh, hit us up uh, on an iTunes review we'd love to get to 50 or even beyond Uh, so listeners thank you so much out there for giving us some time this weekend Mike and I are always appreciative Great pizza, everybody loves pizza, honey delicious pizza. <laughs> you, can, you, you can't, you, you're giving me a loaded gun with this. I, 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 I got at least a minute and a half. Okay. I'm, I'm renating down. I just, I'm ready to go. Okay, I'll, I'll bring I may, I, may, I may jump the gun. I may jump the, the star on this one too, by the way. Okay, very good, very good, very good. Has there ever been an NBA Finals, Gus, featuring two head coaches with less of an impact? Okay, very good, very good, very good. And I will fight this, and I will become aggressively angry. Break on through to the other (laughs) side. Ayo, OA. (laughs) He has the longest wingspan of not only anybody in college basketball, but he has as long a wingspan of anybody in the NBA currently. It's incredible. Taco. Taco burrito. Deflect, aggravate, agitate every drive to the basket. It's amazing. No one in the country ever caught on that VJ King and King McClure were the same person. I'm just amazed that he got to both Baylor and Louisville games constantly, right? Okay, very good, very good, very good. 
Very, <laughs> Gus, it's very hard for you to name me a better starting five than Dang Adele, Quentin Snyder, VJ King, Anas Mahmood, and Ray Spaulding. It is very tough. I'm impressed. That may be the most impressive thing. This should be in the outtakes. You just said Christine. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> now, so here are my reservations about it. Okay, again, this should be on the outtakes too. <laughs> okay. I'm not kidding about this at all. This should be on our Friday night podcast. I thought twice about it because the whole American Girl doll thing is like pretty much a $700 oh, like yeah. whirlpool. Oh, of course. Where you're just like flying down it and you have no control. And it, God forbid we'd be parents, right? Unlike our parents today, <laughs> parents in, in schools today, we can say no to our child. It is, it is possible. Okay, very good, very good, very good. We're growing. We'll interview anyone. And the only answer to that question is yes. Bingo, bango. Okay, everybody's going to be tweeting about the finals. This is going to suck to find now. <laughs> Okay, so are you good start with starting with the NBA? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. I'm ready to go. Okay. Who do you got, by the way? Uh, the Warriors. Bingo, bango. It's, it's, it seems silly, like, in retrospect. Like, if anybody's picking Cleveland, it just seems just foolish. It seems folly. It's, it's, it's just not the right thing to do. Yeah, five-star small forward Brian Bowen reportedly enrolls at Louisville. Perfect. Okay, this, that's, does not, that's really does not perfect. cite strippers as reason for enrolling. <laughs> Sorry. We'll that part. Did I, we'll I, that part. I, I added that out. Sorry. Okay, He's announcing Saturday. So we just want to say thank you to Mag, uh, Magib Hasim. I think we got that right. I'm not entirely sure. He was our last reviewer. Good Zen Wrong church, wrong pew. Wrong pew, wrong yeah. <laughs> Bingo, bango. Tip your waiter.